This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman here again today. Another good episode for you. Got a great guest, friend of mine. This guy's an entrepreneur. He's an investor. He's a mobile home park owner operator. Excited to have him on here today. Please help me welcome Charlie Ancinelli. Charlie, thanks for coming on. Ferd, thanks for having me, man. This is uh this is fun. It's it's really nice to get the opportunity to talk to you and and to not, you know, get get the bill for it. So uh, I'm gonna enjoy this today. <laughs> You didn't get the memo. This was actually billable. My <laughs> rates double when it's recorded. Up. No, <laughs> I, I, should, I should pay you for this, man. You're, you're, you're doing, you, you look like the real podcaster here. For those of you that are listening in the car, you can't see this, but Charlie's got this baller microphone. He's got this, some sort of spit guard, sneeze guard here, earplugs. I'm just sitting here in a cheap suit in, the, in a suburban office and no microphone, uh, and, and you look like the real deal. So, Well, we, we were joking before air, right, that – um. It's like the old uh, I'm a PC, I'm a Mac commercial, if you can see this. Um, although, uh, trust me, uh, I'd rather be the, the PC. Ferd, Ferd's been crushing it. So uh, so I'm actually here to interview Ferd, and I'm going to learn a lot about Ferd today. <laughs> That's funny, man. Well, I know that a little bit about you, obviously, but for our audience that may or may not, tell us a little bit more of your background and then how you got into MHP, and we'll go from there. Sure. So I've uh, kind of always been entrepreneurial. Um, you know, sort of started a few businesses, was able to sell a couple, uh, you know, still, <clears throat> still run one today. And then uh, I was a pretty young guy. Uh, I had my first kid and life all of a sudden became very real for me. It wasn't kind of like, uh, you know, trying things out and having fun anymore. And I started <laughs> to really put an emphasis on, on financial security and my, my risk tolerance went down a little bit. Um, and, and so anyway, so I had saved up a fair amount of money. I was looking for, uh, you know, uh, extra, uh, income streams. Cause I, I was an entrepreneur when you're, when you're, when you're a business owner, uh, you know, tomorrow is never really guaranteed and you got to kind of make your own paycheck. So I was looking around to sort of diversify my income. Um, and a lot of people said, Hey, you, you should probably buy a house and secure your family by buying a house with this money you saved. And that probably would have been a good idea, but instead I, I bought a 31 pad mobile home park in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, this was not too long ago. This was uh, back in 2017, but it was still early enough where people thought I was kind of crazy for doing this, yeah, for buying you know, a, a trailer park instead of uh, the security of a single family home. And, 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 and that's kind of how I got started. You know, my, my, my wife and I, we, we ran that one ourselves from California um, and uh, we, we kind of had a lot of fun with it. She no longer is a part of the business. Uh, simply because uh, I, I don't, uh, you know, I can be tough to work with. <laughs> I can be a little demanding uh, and a, a tough personality. Um, but we, we did very well. We were able to, to really kind of follow the game plan, um, increase occupancy, you know, bring rents to market, increase uh, sort of the value of the property by improving the property uh, and its condition. And, and in a year and a half, not only were we, you know, cash flowing very generously, but, but we doubled the overall price of the property. And of course, when you use leverage and you have a bank loan, I mean, you're getting a very big return on that. And so 
So I think after that, I really got bit by the mobile home park bug. Uh, and for it, as, as you know, I think once, once that happens, you kind of, there's no going back, right? It's kind of like you, you see the whole world in mobile home parks. Like everything to me is, mobile, is like a mobile home park now. Uh, yeah. I see them on the freeways. I, I drive by them constantly, you know, uh, uh, you know, they're my dreams and, and it just it kind of get bit by the bug. And so, so now uh, I packed my bags uh, like a lot of people. I left California. Uh, I'm now in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, which is where I have a lot of properties now in Western PA throughout, uh, you know, West towards uh, Indiana uh, and looking to uh, always add on more. Um, where it makes sense. And so today I own and operate uh, 10 mobile home parks and it seems like it's going to be 12 here soon. Um, and uh, just, you know, constantly trying to improve the properties I have, grow my team, deal with the challenges of scale at this point now. And uh, yeah, it's kind of, that's, that's the story. That's great, man. No, I'm with you. Yeah. You get the bug and just like, if you do it right, if you get your hands dirty, you learn the business, you learn the man, it's just, it makes so much economic sense. It's kind of fun, right? It's you're running an operation. You're running. I say all the time, this is not the real estate business. It's the operations business that happens to have a real estate component. It's more like a hotel. It's a hospitality business than you know, the tra traditional real estate business. But uh, I'm, I'm like you, it's fun. So yeah, the move from California, you're part of that, ma part of that mass exodus. So uh, how are people in Pittsburgh treating you being a California guy? How, or, do you, or do you keep that quiet? You know, probably a little bit better than people in Texas. <laughs> I hear they're not too thrilled about uh, us Californians uh, heading out there. Uh, but no, it, it's super, super friendly people here. Like, uh, I mean, I, I think my wife and I are pretty decided that we're going to raise our kids here for the, the remainder of the next, you know, probably decade or so. Um, but, but it's freeing. I mean, like, who, who knows? You know, now that I have, you know, I, mean, I live in mobile home park land. Uh, I'm not like tied to geography. I mean, of course it helps that I'm, I'm nearby my properties. Sure. Uh, it, it helps I can, I can get to potential deals faster because I, I was losing, right? I think to guys who could like get in the car and go shake the hand and, and, and meet somebody who owns that park or whose dad built that park. I, I was missing out on that. And so being able, I think, to be here a little faster to the beat is helping. Um, but I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing the plumbing myself. I'm not, you know, the handyman and stuff. So uh, I mean, I visit my parks probably as frequent uh, as I did when I lived in California, which was quarterly. I make sure I get out once a quarter, at least to all the parks. Um, other than that, I, I, I leverage technology as much as I can. But uh, no, and, and I think also, I just want to go back to your point too about it, it is a business, it's an operating business. And that's why I love it so much is that I, I, I love real estate, I have a passion for real estate uh, and business. And, and it's a perfect marriage of the two. Good point. Good point. Yeah. So you've, you've done a little of both as far as managing local and managing from afar. That's interesting. Cause yeah, a lot of people do, especially in California, a lot of California guys, like I can't afford to buy a reasonable deal on my price. So all my properties in Southeast or the Midwest, uh, and you've actually done, done it from afar and now you're, you're right there in plain sight. I think you're totally right though on the building rapport with sellers and getting to the punch. I, I almost, I didn't, didn't happen to get this deal, but I almost got it specifically for that reason. The seller was in town he lived in Oregon, but he was in Kansas looking at this park. And I got when he was going to be here that day from the, from the broker. He was, he's here today for an afternoon. It's like two and a half hours away from my house. Like I'm, I'll meet him there. And, and it was the night of the big presidential debate. And I had a pretty good 
feel for what side of the aisle this guy was on. So I was, I was prepped for it with, with ammo and talk and, uh, you know, wearing the right color hat and everything like that. (laughs) I said to the broker, I go, if I bring my MAGA hat, is that gonna, is that gonna get me some curry of favor? He goes, you got a MAGA hat. Oh man, you gotta do that. Oh, there you got the great hat. Make mobile home parks great again. Yeah. I, so if you can't see me out in the podcast world, I just put on this, uh, this hat that, and this is not to get political by any means, because I'm, I'm not, I'm neither here nor there, but, uh for gave me a great gift it's a it's a make mobile home parks great hat again uh so it's i wear it as a spoof sometimes it's great they're they're, they're fun hats but definitely definitely build report right it, it helps so that's good that's a great tip but uh you mentioned scale i want to talk about that too because we've been doing scaling uh, a lot here lately and there's definitely growing pains with it and you know processes people uh, those systems that's it's key to the growth key success what tips can you give us as, as you've gone from from zero to ten i think there's a lot of people that kind of they hit their speed bumps around two and three and i, yeah. I just got i just got off the phone five minutes ago with the client that's like i had three i went to five i need to be at three and he's he's selling two of them because he's like i just can't handle that many because because he's doing it himself he is doing yeah. plumbing you know so, so how did you how did you get there and, and not not have too much heartburn to uh, make it successful and then well, still wanting to grow. You're still obviously looking for more. Right? I, I am. Um, and I'm still, yeah, I still want to punish myself because <laughs> it's not easy when you get to a certain point. Uh, and I'm learning and I, I'm, I'm making mistakes. I, I think what, what helped is, is I did a lot of the things kind of, you know, backwards. Like, I mean, I didn't, I didn't start with a single family home rental or, or a duplex. I mean, I jumped right into 30 units. So I kind of had to figure that out fast. And so that kind of forced me to already be sort of in this kind of like mindset of like multifamily and scale from the start. Uh, and then being in California and having properties remotely, that forced me already to have to sort of think about, okay, how can I treat this like a business and not like a hobby? Um, now that said, uh, there's a big difference when you go from one, two, and three parks to four, five, six, and, and above, because as I've learned, what you develop you know, at, at a certain size does not sort of, you, you can't do that at a larger scale uh, and I mean, a quick example is, is I, I, you know, leaned on my, my personally for me, I, I leaned on my, uh, my, my onsite managers too much. And, and I've learned recently that I really need to control much more of this in-house and I need to hire really full-time, uh, highly skilled people and pay them what I can pay them. And, and, you, and you can't do this when, when, when you only have one, two or three parks and, 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 you know, still today, I, I probably can barely do it, but I'm doing it because you got to kind of head uh, higher a little ahead of, of where you want to go. It's kind of, you know, I've been picking the brains of a lot of people and Ryan Smith, uh, you know, Elevation Capital, um, you know, he's much bigger uh, you know, than I am. And he's, he runs a really, you know, a lot of uh, self-storage and mobile parks across America. And he gave me the tip that it's kind of like an accordion. You know, you got to kind of, you know, it's, it's never going to be the perfect time, but you got to kind of hire a little bit ahead uh, of, of where you're at. Um, and so, uh, you know, so, so I think one of the things I've been doing is really sort of thinking about all the different components of, 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 of the business part, the, the sales, the leasing, the, the uh, managing of the real estate, the contractors, the bids, the accounts payable. What can I bring in house? Because I want to I wanna control the quality of all the work as much as possible. When I say bring in house, I'm not doing it myself, but I want to make sure that I have a core team that's doing that. And then I want the on-site people, the boots on the ground, to be nothing more than really ambassadors and representatives of the community. And I only want them to do literally the physical work that nobody else can do. And that's like taking videos, 
uh, you know, we're, we're now implementing quarterly lot checks, right? And I'm actually building like an app for this. And so, so that we can like do quarterly lot checks and, and there's a checklist and, uh, you know, uh, they're taking the pictures we tell them to take kind of like a car rental does, right? You go around a car rental as like a car rental check. Um, and so, so I, I want the onsite managers to, to literally be replaceable um, because, you know, I, I used to go there, I would train them, I would invest in them. Um, and, and then, you know, I'd have like, you know, eight of them and, and then one of them would quit and I have to go back to Indiana or I have to go back somewhere and then retrain this one person. And I realized, okay, this is not sustainable. This is not going to work out. Um, so, so that, that's kind of what I come to terms with lately. Um, I don't know about you, Fred, I'm curious how you're handling scale. Um, but there's no blueprint. There, there's a lot of great blueprints out there, you know, to, to be, to, to have one or two parks. And I think a lot of us, uh, who are younger in this space, are figuring out, you know, how to do this at scale. And, and I think that's part of the fun of, and the challenge, quite honestly. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it causes me stress and, and sleep, uh, you know, or lack of sleep. But, you know, if, if you are an entrepreneur, you, you like the challenge, I think. No, great, great points. And yeah, I mean, to the, how, how we're trying to tackle it, I think that advice you got from Ryan is, is pretty good. That's we kind of, I've got similar advice and really kind of just taking some of those same leaps as far as, you know, making that first hire. Okay. I'm not, I don't really know if I can make that first hire. Oh, I got a splurge. Okay. Then that second hire, that third hire. And then pretty soon you start like, okay, now I got assistants, you know, amazing administrator, but I got a bookkeeper. Okay. Well, now it's like, well, I, I need more than just the park reader, the basic part. I need like a construction manager, a project manager. Well, that's going to be a higher skill set. That's not a $15 an hour job. Well, crap. Now I got, that's a bigger, that's a bigger chunk. I'm going to go spend 50,000 on that 60,000. And then you, as you get a little bit bigger, you're like, well, now I got a lot more financial reporting. I got more bank requirements. I got more bookkeeping. I may have investors or doing syndications. I got, man, now I need somebody to help with the financial stuff. Um, like I've got a finance background. So I'm doing, I was doing my own, you know, investor reports and monthly P and L's and that. I'm like, that's not the highest and best use of my time. Not that it's a low, low dollar skill, but I can hire it for, less than my hourly rate as a lawyer, for example. So as long as I can get somebody who can do it competently for less than my hourly rate as a lawyer, it makes sense. Well, then I get more legal work on the legal business. Well, I should hire more lawyers, you know, some of whom cannot do as much as depth as me, especially in MHP specific, but they can handle title objections, contracts, leases, you know, zoning research. I've got the zoning pedigree. So maybe they should bring me the research I can analyze it. So it goes back to an analysis of, I think, how much work do I have now? How many hours am I working now? How much work do I know I'm going to have next week? And how much might I have two, three, 10 weeks from now? And, you know, so I told this example, I used to do retail and in, in construction for churches, they say, you know, I'm a Christian to go to Easter and Christmas are the two big days. You don't build a church for Easter because it's going to be 60% empty the rest of the year. You got too big a church. It's too expensive, unnecessary. You just accept that, Church is going to be super full on Easter and you just deal with it. People are in the lobby. People are in the parking lot. In retail, you build your parking lot for Black Friday. We owned a Kohl's wholesale. Kohl's, or not Kohl's, a Kohl's department store. Kohl's had 424 parking spaces. They used about 100, except between Black Friday and New Year's Day, they used every one of them. And they made, in that, they made half their year's revenue in a month. So it was important for them to have every spot because if, if the stall was taken, people would go to the next store. They go to JCPenney or something. So they had to, they were built for Easter, so to speak, or built for Black Friday. Well, I feel like as a company, 
I need to think more like Coles and less like the church builder. Like I'm going to build for, for the future. I'm going to build for the big day. And cause I know I'm going to get there cause I'm a hustler cause I'm a, I'm a fire eater and I want to make sure I get it done. And, 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 and if I, if I don't do that, the only problem worse than not enough business is too much business and it collapses because you can't handle it. Um, yeah. And, and, and I would say, you know, the, um, that's a, that's a great analogy. And the, the moment you, you stop thinking big and you start thinking small is the moment that you, you, you know, it's going to fall apart. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, as an entrepreneur, when you're an entrepreneur, there's, there's only up or down. And, and, and I know it's like, I, I, you know, it's kind of like, I'm just going to kind of keep building this until, I don't know, and, until I'm ready to sort of just sort of say, okay, I'm, I'm done, I guess. And then sort of kind of divest of some of this, but, but I, but till I sort of stay the same or sort of maintain, it's just not even in my DNA. And, and that's a fascinating thing, by the way, about, about the retail. I never knew that. Um, and I always wondered why those parking lots were so huge. Uh, and now I'm going to notice that every single time. And that's, <laughs> yeah. that's totally makes sense. Yeah. Well, take your DNA. I think that's your entrepreneurial spirit for sure, because I can relate where I think you've heard, I'm sure, the analogy of burn the boats. And, you know, I think it was Cortez. You know, we, we were got to shore and said, we're fighting those guys. And when he got here, he said, we're burning our own boats. If you're ever going to go home and see your families, you're doing it on their boats. But you knew you better fight a little harder. Right. And, and you do that a little bit every time you hire somebody new. I feel like I've brought on um, north of half a million dollars of payroll in the last 60 days. That's a burn a lot of boats, right? There's a lot of overhead. So I, well, I got some deals covered in. I got some more deals in the pipeline covered in. And I know I'm going to have more deals in the next pipeline covered in. In fact, I better, right? And then, and then there's, and then if you hire the right people and you start hiring hire skilled people, you know, not just in theory, but in reality, they should. They pay for themselves and then some. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, one of the things I think I've seen you do, uh, I, I think I saw a post you posted about this one time was, I think you gave someone a truck. Is that right? Yeah, I gave, I, I, bought, I bought two, I bought $65,000 of trucks last year and, yeah. and a $15,000 apartment. Yeah, I gave them over. I got to start doing a side hustle for fur. I got to start working for you. But, but that's, <laughs> um, that's, that's kind of the thing though, is, is that, that's what I try and do too, is I, I want ownership mentality on my team. I, I want people who are, I, I understand like, look, I mean, I, I, I've been an employee in the past and uh, you know, if, if you haven't, like, like you're not you're never going to work as hard as the owner. And I don't expect them to, that's not what they're hired for, but I do want them to have sort of like, like, like a juicy steak in front of them that they think, you know, is like, that's, that's their, that's their steak that they, they can get on their own. And, and the harder they work, like, you know, that, like the, the bigger the reward is, and I don't want to cap it. So like, I try and do that a lot with things. I try and, you know, sort of, you know, put bonus, big bonuses out there and not get cheap on them on, on sort of, you know, whether it's like leasing goals or different sales goals or things like that. I, I want to bring everyone together and sort of like, you know, make this culture of like, Hey, let's, let's make a bigger pie. And, and that's kind of my goal. And I'm, I'm probably not perfect at it, but that's what I try to do. No, I agree completely. And the way that I do it is a good point on compensation. I'm, I'm with you. Um, and uh, Gary V had an interesting post the other day that I shared. It was like, don't expect your employees to work as hard as you and want as hard as you because they're not the owner. They're not supposed to, but you can, you can tweak the mentality and you can motivate them. You know, some people are motivated different by different things, but we're all motivated by money. I think to some degree, some less than others. So reward them with financially, but reward them with training, reward them with responsibility, reward them with other accolades. I have a merit badge system that I created where if once you learn how to do accounting, you get a merit badge, thousand bucks. You're good at sales, 
thousand bucks, personnel management, project management, and you start going through all the risk management, risk management, you find a deal, 5,000 bucks. And I, you get, and I give out merit badge and I can give them this little goofy certificate, you know, it's for fun, like, you know, accounting wizard. And it's like you did in grade school and you get it, you put it on your mom's fridge. Um, but so, so just trying to do something like that. And Richard Branson, I love his quote, you know, train people well enough so that they can leave, but treat them well enough so that they don't. And yeah. I've really, I've really just taken that to heart. And I, I think that's a great quote. And, and I, I heard one once before too, it was very similar to that it was like, um, someone said like, uh, you know, about, it was about, it was about investing in employees and training them. And someone said, well, what if we spend all this money and train them and, and then they leave? And the other person said, well, what, what if we don't? And then they stay. <laughs> well, you know, what's hilarious. So you, I love that. I used to have about a 75 person team when I was at Jackson County. I had two quotes on the board, on the whiteboard. That was both of them. The one I just said and the one that you just said. So we, we, we think alike uh, for sure, Charlie. But, awesome. uh, I, one thing that I, I'll give a tip here on this and then give it back to you on, on the compensation is in, in my ideal world, all of my employees would make zero salary and they'd make upside because of their production. They'd make twice as much money. But I realized that that's not practical for a lot of people because of you know family structure or mindset. I've got one guy, he's financially secure already. But he, his mindset's different or is, is just his temperament. So, okay, we don't, so we don't set him up quite like that. But what I do is I try to get, I give people a base and I give them a target. Let's say your base is 30,000, your target's 60. Here's how you get to your target. You sell this many homes, you do this many tasks, you work this many hours. We collectively do this much on a deal and then you get your target. And, and then and I say, here's the key, but here's the cute beauty of the target. It's not a ceiling. If you overperform, I, I hope you make 80 instead of 30 or 60. And, but if they do everything that they're supposed to do and, and something on my end doesn't work out, I, I, I veto a deal or something and we only work, he only makes 45. Well, he deserves 60 because he did everything he should have. And then I know I got to kind of cut a check for the Delta. I'm not going to make 61, but if, if they did, you know, if an employee does everything they're supposed to, then I, I can use that target as a, as a, you know, target can be vehicle, can be bonus, Cash can be equity for some of my team gets equity in deals. Mm -hmm. And and then we just estimate the target based on the projected profitability over the projected hold period and divide by number of years. And that's your income off of that asset in any given year. And, and that's worked out really well at getting some higher skilled people uh, who yeah. are willing to take some, you know, take some risk. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm all about the the base plus big, big upside. Let's share on the upside together. Let's let's make that let's create it together. Um, and, and then also the, like, I think the autonomy part too, like the, you know, like treat them like, like they're an adult. I mean, I don't want to handhold anybody. Um, you know, if you're kind of on like my executive team, like my, my course, my core squad, the starting team, uh, I'm not going to handhold you. You're, you're either an achiever, you're going to go out and do it. Um, we're going to get on the same page where the goals are. I'm here to help you. I'm here to provide the resources. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you, if you have, you know, a kid's soccer game, if you, if you have church, if you have, you, you, someone has to go to the hospital. Um, it's not that I don't care, uh, you know, but I, I don't need to know about it. I, I trust you. I, I trust you that you're going to get it done because we're working towards these goals together. Um, and I think that goes, I think that goes a long way too. You know, it's like you said, there's a lot of things that motivate people. And I think, you know, money is, is one of the things also, I think money sharing in, in the money is like also a, like you're, you're respecting their work too. I mean, I think it's hand in hand. And I also think like, yeah, respecting you know the the person as as a as a teammate maybe more so than like an employee. That's what I try to do. You know, at least I again not perfect, but 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 working on it constantly. No, I think that's that's good. The teammate concept, and you know, and I, and I always, all regulars say, say team meeting, team retreat. You know, and it, it's not just the verbiage though. 
you know, Cerner Corporation is a big company in Kansas City. And there was a famous email that Neil Patterson sent out, the CEO. At the time, he wasn't a billionaire, but he later was a billionaire. And he, he sent an email out. He meant to send it to the executive team, and it went to reply all. It said, like, I'm here till 9 o'clock at night. I'm here on Saturday. I'm here on Sunday. And he, if, if why is the parking lot empty? I want to see all these damn employees or something in their seats, you know, and it got a horrible press. It was like how to not be a boss it was an MBA school and stuff. And they, they were like the first company, I think, to, to change the name of employees to associates after that. Like, <laughs> associates. Like, now, now everybody's an associate and, 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 and a VP, I've noticed. Everyone's a VP and an associate everywhere. Yeah. That's uh, also funny. That's like, that's probably, I mean, <laughs> the old reply alls. I remember that, that was like a problem for like, you know, the better part of like, you know, first 10 years of email. <laughs> I think people <laughs> finally have learned not to do that now. But well, the, the, I wish I could figure out how to, how to, uh, not forget to put the attachment on there. What? See attachment. I'm like, no attachment. I probably have to send that once a week. I'm like, send the attachment. The yeah, attach yeah. First. For, for, attach G- first. Didn't type my name. I know. Gmail's pretty good about reminding you on that, but uh, every once in a while, sure, it still slips through. That's funny. Charlie, I want to hear a little bit about your, your use of technology um, and how, you, how you're using that for your team, because that's, that's something that I feel like is lacking in the industry. Um, I think people that are using the, the rent managers and the, the technology as, as far as a, a bookkeeping and uh, property management software, but what else do you use to communicate with teams in, in numerous geographic locations? Yeah, it's a great question. I actually started, you know, kind of writing this down, actually. It's right behind me. Let me just take a little peek as well. Yeah, so I use a combination of things, right? So, um, you know, like I'm just looking at my board right now because we're, we're just also like, I'm constantly kind of like, like I, I'm, a, I'm a tech enthusiast and so I love technology, but I have to be careful that I'm not overloading too many subscriptions because it can get pricey. And, and also, uh, I, I mean, the, my managers, my onsite managers, uh, and even like my, my, my kind of core team, um, a lot of them aren't sort of as, you know, tech friendly or tech savvy. Uh, so I, I have to make sure that I'm just using sort of what is going to make our life easier and, and not more cumbersome. And I think that's one of the challenges of all these great software subscriptions out there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously we use, uh, you know, sort of like a property management software system. Uh, in the beginning, when it was first, first like a few parts, you don't need to do that. You, uh, you can use, you know, like a, the, the, the Google G Suite is perfect enough for your first few parks, in my opinion. Um, you start getting to over 100 paths, maybe 200, you start, you know, looking to invest into something you're going to scale into. I started with Rent Manager. Um, you know, they're great. I have nothing bad to say about them. Great support. I ended up moving though to Appfolio, which was a real pain in the rear. Uh, I mean, you know how much you invest, like your data and all of everything into They made system. it away on purpose. <laughs> it's so real. I know you're such a sticky customer. You talk about like mobile home park tenants are sticky. I mean, geez, you get into one of these like property software uh, subscription services. Uh, I mean, if, if you're at scale, I mean, you're like the stickiest customer ever. Um, but so I, 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 I hit this inflection. I was like, I don't think I, I want to build my business on rent manager. And that was a personal decision just because like they weren't cloud-based and I needed something that was cloud-based, something a little sleeker in the UX UI department. I just felt like it was really tough to, to train my, my managers with rent manager. It was like a, such a huge process and, it was like a very clunky thing for me to use and navigate as far as UX goes. And, and I know they have a lot of robust features, but anyway, so I, I switched to Appfolio uh, and, and they have a lot of really slick things they're coming out that they've come out with. Like they've automated the accounts payable process with some really kind of cool smart technology. Um, 
And I've really enjoyed that feature and some others. Uh, when it comes to team communication, uh, we, you know, obviously we email, but we've created, we've moved on to Slack because you kind of have to have sort of those like, hey, let me get a hold of people very fast. Um, kind of just quick dialogues. Uh, you know, we have a channel for each property. Uh, and so that's nice. That's kind of like, you know, our work group text, but you don't, you're not stuck in this like, you know, annoying group text because you can kind of turn it off and on. It's like a work thing. It's great. Um, outside of, you know, that, uh, you know, water and sewer is one of the, the, the largest categories in operating mobile home park, uh, as anybody who's new to the space will figure out very, very fast. So we use Metron, uh, to, to track that. That's great. Uh, I do pay the extra fee for the, uh, smart data, you know, live feed information. And, you know, what I really like about that is, is I can get ahead of the water leaks. I, I have a, uh, and this is a really boring conversation. It was not in the mobile home parks, you know, <laughs> water meters, but uh, if you're in mobile home parks, it's like one of the most important things. And, and so I, I have, a, um, you know, all my parks now have a uh, smart meter on the master. And then, uh, you know, we have smart meters and all the sub meters. And so uh, I can get real time comparisons in a chart on what the Delta is between the smart meter and all the aggregate of the sub meters. So I know if I have a leak in my system immediately, and then not only do I have someone who sort of keeps tabs on that, um, but they also keep tabs on who is one of my, our tenants that uh, has, you know, looks like they have a leak or they're using excessive water because yes, we're going to charge them back for that. But at the end of the day, it's still going to land on us one way or another, because, you know, if they got to pay that water bill, that takes out sort of their purchasing power and their sort of, you know, uh, ability to afford things. Ultimately, that that may, you know, end up, they can't pay their rent. I don't want to get into that problem with them. We try and be proactive and help them out with that. Um, so in addition to that, we use Grasshopper for our, um, for our uh, phone system. Uh, we use uh, Asana for task management, for managing our projects. Um, you know, that's pretty key. Uh, and then um, let's see, what else do I use? I'm looking at my things here. We, we just started integrating uh, Show Mojo. Uh, Showmojo, uh, you know, is a pretty sleek uh, sort of software for uh, marketing and leasing uh, so that, uh, you know, you're not sort of, you know, gets rid of a lot of the back and forth on um, the uh, setting up the appointments and sort of uh, makes the marketing easier. Um, other things, you know, one of my favorites that I think is uh, not talked about is Anytime Mail. Of course, you can use Earth Class Mail. Um, there's other options out there. But this is great, especially someone who like me, uh, you know, I might move around and I don't, I, I don't really want a PO box that's like stationary. I don't want things like for business coming to my house. So it's a virtual uh, mailbox where uh, all of your mail goes there. Uh, and then uh, they will, you know, take a picture. You can tell them if you want them to scan it uh, for you and then you can see what, what's in the inside and they can recycle it, they can shred it. Uh, or you can download it and, um, or you can forward it. So, uh, that's anytime mail, uh, and there's others out there. So that's never, kind of like, I've never heard that. So you don't actually get the physical mail that, in that instance, they, somebody else opens it. And it's like, is this a lot of mail, like all your bills and invoices, or just like only everything. There? Yeah. Yeah. Everything goes there. It's fantastic. Uh, one login, one, you know, all my mail goes there. Um, yeah, I, I, I live virtually. I'm actually inside the computer right now for, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you were saying ux and ix earlier i was like i think i know what those things are but uh, <laughs> like user interface and design yeah yeah you're definitely more tech savvy than me but 
anytime mail, I'll have to check that out. I've got PO box and I mean, I've never actually been there, but somebody goes every day and goes to get the mail. So there's definitely a staff cost to do that in the PO, you know, so definitely. That's right. It's kind of one of those things like, like, you know, you've talked a lot about hiring admins. And so I look to like, Hey, how much can I replace first with technology? And then if there's gaps, then I try and get admins to kind of coordinate a lot of that, those gaps. That's great. Yeah. I've had good, I've had pretty good success with, with in-person admin. We tried the virtual assistants a couple of times and I've had more challenges with that. Um, and so I've, I've really kind of obviously got stuck with my, you know, got the overhead of additional people at admins, but I like to say, hey, I can holler at somebody and they, they can help and, and do a number of things for me. They've been really, really valuable actually, but anytime mail, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. That's my, that's my pro tip for the day. That, that's a good one. Yeah. Before we before we jump, any more tips or stories you want to share based on your experience? Oh, um, sure. There's some stories. Uh, biggest your biggest horror story or biggest mistake in the business? If you want to share that, maybe you um, made that. I, I mean, I'm trying to think about like you know who's listening and like what's appropriate on this because uh, you're in the mobile home park. I mean, there's some there's some stories. Uh, there's some horror stories, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I, I probably won't go into all of them. Um, I don't know. I mean, just if you're get, if you're new getting into this business, uh, you're gonna learn that anything can happen, <laughs> and anything will happen. And and there's a wide range of people out there that that live, you know, uh, in a w- wide variety of ways. So that's a nice way of saying there are some people who can not socially adjust to society. And they, they meant they will end up in your trailer park. I mean, you've been in those homes, right? For where you walk in the home and you're like, oh, I got to get out of here. You know, it's like you, you get in the house and it's like, ooh, there's, that's a, that's a smell that's going to be stuck with me for, for, you know, the next I, week. I, I was with, I didn't, I got a pretty strong stomach, but I was with the donor boy one time and they were, we were walking this house and it, it smelled horrible and they had like, I want to say it was 16 kids living there. It was sad, man. Mm. And they were just had they had no beds, no furniture. Their clothing, they had one room was just clothing they got from Goodwill and they wear it till it stinks so bad they throw it in their room and just they go get more free clothing. Mm. They slept on the floor, all these people, moms and dads, everybody on the mattress. There weren't enough mattresses for any of all of them. So that the teenagers would sleep in the corner of the room and have a towel as a bath towel was their sheets. No pillow, sitting in the corner, just like unbelievable. These people live like this. Um yeah, that's kind of like the, the the thing about mobile home parks. And I've told other people too who are kind of curious about it, is like you see the best and the and the worst in humanity, in my opinion. I mean, I mean, you you see the people who are working really really hard to sort of like be that generational stepping stone and to provide yeah. you know sort of better for their kids and get their kids into the good school district. You know, li- live in a manufactured home, work really hard. You know, kids have a better opportunity of life. Uh, and, and then you also see the the opposite, where it's like just a cycle of abuse and poverty. Um, and, and then you, you walk into it and you're like, oh my gosh, these kids, this is, they can't believe they were living here like this. And, and so you, you see, you see the, the, the darkest parts of, of humanity and you see the, the brightest spots. And so it, it's a, it's a very interesting duality. That's, that's, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And this guy in particular, I got right in his face and he's like, you don't deserve to have these children and I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can to get them taken from you. If, because my coworker threw up because the smell was so bad and they had, the kids would get up and cockroaches would run out from underneath them. They're sleeping on beds of cockroaches. And just like, mm-hmm. holy cow. But that was one of those like, man, yeah, you're right. You smell you've never seen. 
had people, homeless people that are living in a house. You walk in there, they're in the house. It's like you get crazy stories like that. And then you get the, the nice little lady who brings you cookies every time you see her and stuff like that. You're like, this is great. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and they could be next door neighbors. <laughs> yeah. Know? they could be, right? Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. But no, I think one of the coolest things at mobile home parks, though, is there is a strong sense of community that you don't get in other multifamily, uh, at least from my experience, like apartments and stuff are just people kind of stick to themselves a lot. Don't even get it in, I don't think you get it in a neighborhood. I mean, no, not even neighborhood. You know, yeah. I've got a nice neighborhood and we got community pool and grilling and stuff. We go over there and I, I know some of my neighbors. We have a mobile home park. Everybody's friends. I know every, I know them. They wave at me. They're friendly. I'm like, yeah. Kids are dating each other and going to school, hanging out. And like, man, this is it's purpose because they're, they're like all have the same like outlook on, hey, we're staying here because it's it's a better community than the apartment. Like in the residential, a lot of guys, like, I go there because it's a bigger house or a better neighborhood. I don't yeah. go for the community. I go for the structure or the location. These people go because it's a better, it's a better price point among other things, but it's a better community atmosphere in a similar price point than a multifamily. And like, we might as well be here and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's one of the really cool things. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, I always try to tell people, Hey, look, I'm, I'm not doing this because I'm like mother Teresa. I, I'm definitely a capitalist first. Um, but I do think that money and, and morals and ethics can go hand in hand. And I think one of the coolest things is when you do turn around a community Yes, it's going to benefit your pockets, but if you turn around a community, it's also going to like benefit the people that live there. Uh, I mean, you're going to be making it nicer. You're going to be taking care of the roads. You're going to be making sure that you're vetting who's coming in. Um, you know, you're going to be making sure that people are painting their homes. And, and what happens is like people, a, turner, a, a community turns around and you start to see it become like alive. It's like a, like a living, breathing thing of all sometimes. Um, and I think that's, that's probably one of the coolest things. How do you feel? Oh, absolutely. I agree. There's a, we just bought a park here in Kansas City two, three months ago, and there's one guy that he had not paid rent in 10 years. And we told him, and he had so much junk. He filled two, we put two 40-yard dumpsters in front of his house. And you know what he did? He filled them himself. We were going to get rid of the guy. He filled them himself. He had a broken window boarded up in the front. He replaced the front of his house and the window, cleaned up his yard and said, hey, I'm going to do my part around here, paid rent first day. It's like, he saw we were putting money in the community to make it better. He goes, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be the outlier here bringing this community down anymore. And he's like a new lease on life. New, you know what I did starting yesterday? He's on the payroll as a, as a groundskeeper. Okay. I'm not even joking. Like, we get like, Hey man, you want to work? We've got to clean that hill set up, brush, trim trees, haul trash. He's like, I'm in the guy had no job. You know, he just, he was like, I don't know if one stolen radio to the next or however he got by uh, previously, but not paying rent helped. But I mean, culture shock for him. What does that do for his life? He's got five children. You know, he's going wow. to make a, you know, grown man out of him and, and he's going to make community better. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just a shot. And we're, we're rolling out a painting program on Tuesday at this park where we paint every home in the park, including the tenant owned homes. Hmm. And it just changes the atmosphere. And it helps me, honestly, when I get the next 10 rolling in that they could, I could sell them across from a newly painted house instead of a 1972 buddy with the original paint job. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, so it's not completely altruistic, you know, as you met your mother Teresa example, but um it really is a high tide lifts all boats. And, and it's, 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 it's one of the best things about the business to watch. If you, if you now, do it right. Now we, we might be getting into the weeds here uh, for anyone who's listening, but <laughs> when, when you do that, uh, do you, um, do you give them a choice of, of colors or, or that's like <laughs> <laughs> funny you asked that because it, it, I, the parks that I run, my dad runs some of the parks, I run some of the parks and the ones I run, I give them uh, eight sets of colors, two tone, we do body and trim and so it's 16 color options. And I'll let you move around a little bit and they're pretty vanilla. 
you know, like yeah. pretty like my jackets, a little gray, a little chuck black, you know, there's no pink, there's no yellow. And, and it costs about 500 bucks labor materials. And I say, let's split it. And I try to split it. If somebody can't afford it, they don't often say that, but I'll just say, Hey, tell you what, can you do 10 bucks a month? I'm sure you can afford it, but 10 bucks a month for, you know, until we get there. Okay. And then they yeah. go for it. And I get some buy-in. I don't, I want some skin in the game, some ownership, but my dad likes all these eclectic colors. So he, he encourages bold colors. I mean, one park that's uh, largely or Hispanic, a lot of Puerto Rican people, and, they, and some of them already had bold colors. So it, it looked, to put a bunch of beiges and grays was look, look a little odd. Yeah. So he's like, he's like, let's just embrace it. And I kid you not, we got 52 different colored houses in that park. And it looks like a Taco Bell with all the different colors and stuff. But, uh, but it, looks, it actually looks good. It actually looks I, really I love good. when it's like, you see the pinks and the purples and the turquoise. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, uh, I've done a community like that. And uh, there's something about that. I'm like, well, you know, it's uh, probably won't have a drug dealer here. You know, it looks like a pack of Skittles. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, senior. it's not hard. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's, I, I'm actually coming around to it, to be honest, because it looks really good in the other parts we've done it at, but I just, it took me a while to get to get there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, Charlie. Hey, before we jump, where can people find you? How can they reach you after this? Yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm not uh, incredibly hard to get a hold of. Um, they can go to my website, uh, rockstackcapital.com. Uh, and they can email me, charlie at rockstackcapital.com. And uh, happy to, uh, you know, if you have questions on mobile home park operating, investing, uh, you know, technology uh, around it. I've kind of looked at it all and happy to uh, have dialogue and be helpful where I can. All right. Thanks, Charlie. I appreciate it. Right on. Thanks for good talking to you. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.